0: And we're back, Stripe Show podcast on a Monday. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you got to play a little bit of golf. Fall season is here. Beautiful here in uh, Northeast Florida high seventies, low eighties humidity is down, got a little chill in the air at nice uh we've got some good weather coming ahead I guess that's why we live in Florida this time of year October, November, December into January, February. then it starts to uh feel a little bit like uh late spring, early summer quickly in March, but nonetheless uh golf season uh is here as we uh start to play a lot of golf in Florida i to do that again. I'm going to move this in. There we go. All right. Let's start it again. <laughs> we're back stripe show podcast on a monday i'm your host travis fulton thank you for tuning in hope you had a wonderful weekend full of golf maybe some major league baseball playoff action go rangers i'm a seattle mariners fan as many of you know and i I just cannot bring myself to uh cheer for the houston astros so i am uh I'm pulling for the Rangers. Game seven will be tonight. Of course, the Diamondbacks playing the Phillies. That's game six. Good action there. As we uh, get closer to the World Series, some NFL football over the weekend. Seahawks got their fourth win, so I'm in a good mood. And I think the NBA actually starts tomorrow. So we've got it all going. I mean, we got football, baseball, basketball, hockey is underway. And there's golf being played. I mean, my head is about ready to explode with professional sports right now. College sports, college football is rolling. What a time of year. The weather has turned here in Northeast Florida. High 70s, low 80. The humidity is down. Love this time of year. Halloween near, Thanksgiving. Then we got Christmas, the holiday season. I'm in a good mood. I feel good today. Got a lot to cover. My goodness. I mean, my run of show here is loaded with video to show you guys today and I know a lot of you may be tuning in for the first time thank you for being here Stripe Show podcast and you're tuning in because you want to know who this guy is you know I posted this out on uh, on Twitter earlier last week and uh, it went viral I think we're up to like three million views on this video right here and I asked the question who is this and if you get it right I'm gonna I'm going to send you a free training program, one of my five training programs that I have at travisfultongolf.com. And I think I'm going to send the driver, my total driving program. I actually videoed this, by the way. So who is that? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, we're going to get to it, but I got some other things that I want to cover and I'm going to start today with LIV golf, which finish up just down 95 here in Miami. The team competition. The Crushers get the win. Bryson DeChambeau and his team get the big win down in Miami. Paul Casey, Charles Howell third, Annabon Lahiri, who played great yesterday. Congratulations to you on winning the team competition in Live Golf. I think they won like something like $1.2 billion, maybe. It, was that what the what the prize was. No, I mean, I don't think it was quite that much, but you know, you get my point, maybe just underneath that. So they get the big win and, uh, and LIV golf comes to an end. Congratulations guys. Wow. That is Fantastic. That's it. in LIV news. Let's move forward to the PGA tour. PGA tour course, uh, over in uh, the Zozo championship. back Stripe Show podcast on a Monday. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you had a great weekend filled with golf, filled with sports, filled with family time. Man, there's a lot going on right now in professional sports. My head is about ready to explode. Love sports. Love all sports, not just golf. But all of it and uh, the baseball season is winding down. Major League Baseball, the playoffs, got a game seven tonight. Rangers, uh, Astros, game six over in the NL, Diamondbacks and Phillies. NFL football, of course, on Sunday, college football on Saturday. The NBA starts tomorrow. (laughs) NBA season starts tomorrow. We've got college rolling. I mean, there's so much going on. It is unbelievable. I love this time of year. Absolutely love it. I love it for the sports. Of course, professional golf is rolling. We're going to get to that here in a second. But uh, I, I just love it for the weather, too. And, and you know, down in Florida, we don't, it doesn't feel like fall yet here in northeast Florida. But the weather has changed. Finally, lower humidity, high 70s, low 80s, and that. Feels amazing, especially when you get down in like the high fifties at night. You put a jacket on I me. Mean, anytime he gets like 64, you put a jacket on here. I mean, that's cold. Um, but the weather feels great. It really does. Halloween is near for the kids. Then we get into the holiday season. So I just love everything about this. I'm in a good mood. The Seahawks won yesterday and I feel good. And, and I have so much that I want to share today. So many topics in golf that I want to get to. Uh, I don't think I've had – I have a kind of a run of show here in my system, and I have the videos loaded in. I don't think I've ever had this many videos loaded in, ever. Uh, we are going to get to all things Colin Morikawa today. I am going to share with you his patented Operation Drip Fade. I got a full breakdown of that coming on all of my social media platforms. Uh, I love the way he hits the drip fade. You know what's interesting with Colin? He actually hit a draw in college. Uh, his coach, longtime coach Rick Sessinghouse, I was one of the first guys to have him on a podcast when Morikawa was, was kind of starting to bubble up his first major championship uh, out there in Florida or in California, and um, and I had Rick on, and and we we talked about a lot of stuff. This was uh, this was a couple years ago, two and a half years ago, it was right when I was starting the podcast, and uh, he just dropped the nugget. He said, you know, Colin Morikawa in college, he would play a draw. Everything was a draw. I was like, really? And he says, yeah, we, we turned pro. And all of a sudden, the ball just started dying right. And so we kind of switched the fade. So there you have it. Turned pro, all of a sudden, the ball's dying right. And he's like, hey, we're just going to play the fade. And, uh, and he has a patented fade. I'm going to show you that. I'm going to show you a little bit of a short game as well. Um, he worked with Parker McLaughlin. Parker is a, is a friend of mine. He's a friend of the podcast. I've been texting with him a ton over the last couple weeks. Um, I'm going to show you Morikawa's short game technique. We're going to look at a lot of short game technique, big debate going on out there on a lot of the changes that Colin Morikawa, excuse me, that Victor Hovland made with his, his short game, which kind of mirrors Jordan Spieth and moving the low point forward as a function of the head going forward. Joseph Mayo, wonderful teacher. Uh, someone I've learned a great deal from. I've been texting with him a lot. He doesn't do podcasts, but if he does do a podcast, he's going to do mine. So we're going to work on him. And of course he's out there, you know, and he's really spreading this love around this particular technique. And and we're going to look at some of that technique and we're going to compare it to uh, some other technique that we see with like a Max Homa that we see uh, with the Ben Griffin that you're going to see with a Colin Murakawa. And, And I'll just show you the difference and maybe some of the pros and cons to both. I mean, both of them can work. Uh, but I'm going to show you, uh, and kind of explain to you a little bit about both concepts. We'll have some fun with that. Also, I'm going to show you Colin Morakow's putting. And, uh, he's been, he's really, uh, he's really been working hard in his putting. It sounds like maybe he found some things over there in Japan. I'm going to show you his right hand grip. Very interesting. Works with Steven Sweeney on his putting. Another swing that people seem to be very interested in is this one. (laughs) I had no idea that when I posted this video on Twitter that it would do, I think it's up to close to 3 million views. And I asked the question, who is this? Who is this guy? I videoed this, by the way. And a lot of you – said Justin Rose you said Travis that's Justin Rose i can see that by the way like i can see a lot of some similarities there especially to the top the change of knee flex that lead arm depth the way the shafts kind of just gently to the left the way that He comes through to that high finish. I can see a lot of similarities in Justin Rose. Is it Justin Rose? It's not Justin Rose. A lot of people said Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth. Not Jordan Spieth. There were some funny answers in there, too. I was, I was scrolling through uh, Twitter and Instagram, and there were some funny answers. The winner and who this is, I'm going to tell you after we do a little breakdown here of this guy. Because it's not this guy either, although you can see some similarities there. Um, as far as how he goes to the top. Now, Morikawa, I want to start here with this drip fade. I'm going to take you through this breakdown. I'm going to bring the mystery guy back in, and I'm going to tell you who it is. It's not Justin Rose. It's not Jordan Spieth, and it's not Colin Morikawa. Now, I have a training program at TravisHoltonGolf.com. It's called Operation Drip Fade. A few weeks ago, uh, we we did a breakdown around Operation Baby Draw. And a lot of you went and got the program. Operation Baby Draw is probably my most popular program. But uh, this one's a pretty close second. Operation Drip Fade. Now, when you go to hit a fade, one of the things that I like to see when I move someone to a drip fade or more of a fade bias pattern is I want to make sure that I can get them to fade the ball through the path, okay, getting the path to be left of the face at impact. A lot of times when I when I talk to people about fading it, what they try to do is they try to fade it through the face, meaning they're coming through impact and they're trying to kind of hold the face off. They're trying to hold the face and make it, you know, look to the right. Now sometimes I, I guess. That could apply, right? I think there's moments where maybe, okay, I'll go down that path a little bit. But in general, I really want to get the face prepared in a way that, that all they got to feel like they got to do is just turn and get the club to exit left. Watch this exit plane with the shaft right here. See that shaft? It's under the lead shoulder. It's down in the armpit area. That is a really, really nice exit plane when you're trying to fade it. Now, if Morikawa was trying to draw it, which he did in college, that exit plane might be a little bit higher, right? It might be kind of up in to the center of the left shoulder. But I like that shaft releasing, okay, not holding on to the face, releasing, letting the left wrist go into extension for Morikawa and get back under that left shoulder. That club face, I didn't stop it quite soon enough. Let me see if I can get it just a little bit sooner right here. Nope. Nope. Come on, Travis. Come on, Travis. Here we go. Here we go. My Goodness. One more. Here we go. Watch this club face. Right there. You can see the face right there. It's looking back towards the camera a little bit. The face is not flipped over. He's released it. The left wrist has went into extension, but he's got a little lay back in the face. The club face is kind of laying back and looking towards the camera a little bit. I like that. That is a wonderful exit plane. He's rotating and releasing it back to the left. Now, a lot of these, a lot of the things that you're going to see in Morikawa going back and then coming down, of course, is setting that up. And the first thing with Morikawa, when you look at his lead wrist, is he is someone who gets the lead wrist flexed. There is probably a little bit of flexion in that lead wrist at the top of the swing. Now, Morikawa has a very weak left-hand grip, and so with the weak left-hand grip and flexion at the top, the club face is going to be relatively square. You'll see a lot of players who, when they get up here, the club face gets a little bit shut. The club face gets looking, say, up towards the sky, maybe like a Victor Hovland or a Dustin Johnson. And with Victor, the face is pretty much matched up to his left forearm. Okay. A lot of guys that that get that lead brisk flex right there. When it is flexed at the top, those are the guys that fade it, right? Victor Hovland fades it. Dustin Johnson fades it. I mean, you could certainly hit a draw from there as well. But with the flexion and that lead wrist, the one thing that you see Morikawa do really, really well is when he starts down is he gets the hand path to arc a little bit more back out in front of him. This is a wonderful position right here that I think really illustrates getting yourself in position where you can just turn left. The club face will naturally be there. And just are you rotating left enough and letting that release back under the left shoulder to get the ball to just drip or die a little bit to the right. There's no sense you have to hold off the club face. His lead wrist right there, he's got a little flexion in it. The club shaft, that club shaft is just above the right forearm. right? See how it's kind of, there's a little space between the shaft and the right forearm. Okay, That space in there, um, he's getting back out on top of it. The shaft is still pitched back though. Right? He's not letting his hand path arc back out in front of him and letting the shaft go to vertical. Right, He's not coming over the top. He's not casting. That right wrist has a lot of extension in it. The lead wrist is flexed. But he's turning. He's getting the hand path to arc back out in front of him a little bit. So from there, he's going to have minimal side bend through impact, and he can rotate back to the left. The key move there on the way down is right there. He's got to get the hand path working back out in front. Now, he's doing that with rotation. is not a player who's going to get his lower body racing towards the target laterally and letting that spine fall back to the right early in transition. Rather, he's probably going to feel like he's almost got a little bit of a sit move. Yes, the weight's going left but he's feeling that left hip and that left shoulder starting to open up probably sooner on the way down, okay? Versus, again, bumping the hips left, upper body falling back to the right. <sighs> and we're back stripe show podcast on a monday i'm your host travis fulton thank you for making us part of your day got a big show for you big big show for you here on a monday I don't think I've ever had more swings loaded into my system than I do today, including this guy right here. (laughs) A lot of you tuning in today, perhaps for the first time to find out who this guy is. I posted it early in the week. And I asked the question on Twitter and Instagram, who is this professional golfer? I filmed this, by the way. And I got a lot of response, close to 3 million in views. Amazing. Had no idea. I'm going to tell you who that is here momentarily. But before we get to that, before we get to that, we got to start with uh, Colin Morikawa. Now that swing is not Colin Morikawa and it's not Jordan Spieth, by the way. So if you've tuned in and you, and you thought it was Jordan Spieth, it's not him and it's not Paige Sporanic. A lot of you thought it was Paige. It's not, it's not her. Who is it? I'm going to tell you here momentarily. But we've got to start today with this guy, Colin Morikawa, champion over at the Zozo Championship back in the winner's circle. Today, lots of stuff coming to you about Colin Morikawa, including his short game, who he worked with Parker McLaughlin, a friend of the podcast. I'm going to show you some short game technique around Colin Morikawa, and I'm also going to show you his putting stroke. Works with Steven Sweeney. Very interesting right hand. I want to have a little conversation about that. So all things con Morikawa. In addition, we are going to be looking at a lot of short game shots today. Big debate in the instruction industry on should you steepen the attack angle into impact a la Victor Hovland, a la Jordan Spieth, a la Scotty Scheffler? Or should it be more shallow? Right? Use the bounce a little bit more a la Max Homa, a la Bo Hossler, a la Ben Griffin, a la Max or Colin Morikawa. So we're going to have some fun with that. I'm going to show you uh, basically a comparison uh, between those two and maybe what are some of the, the pros and cons uh, of those two different styles. But we got to start with Colin Morikawa here in a swing. Because this is one of the elite ball strikers in the game. And when you look at this swing, thank you for tuning in on YouTube. Our audience continues to grow. Travis Holton Golf on YouTube. You can watch the podcast. You can watch these swings that I'm breaking down. Thank you for joining me on audio as well. I will articulate best I can on what we're looking at. This is a drip fade. Operation Drip Fade, one of my top training programs at TravisFultonGolf.com. A few weeks ago we talked about Operation Baby Draw. And now we got to talk about drip fade because Morikawa is the man when it comes to the drip fade. What's interesting about Morikawa, real quick before we break this down, I had his longtime coach Rick Sessinghouse on um, after he won his first major. And it was one of the very first pods Sessinghouse did. And it was right when I was starting my podcast. And he just dropped this little nugget on me. He said, hey, he said, Travis, uh, more college, drew everything in, in college. I said, what? He says, yeah, he, he he hit a draw in college. And then he turned pro and everything started dying right. So we decided to just hit the fade. Well, there you have it, right? So he he was a uh, in college. He hit a little baby draw and he turned pro. And now he's hitting a, a drip fade. So, what are the components that maybe started to come about as he started to hit a drip fade? First and foremost, if you want to fade the ball, you've got to favor a little forward ball position. Okay, If you move the ball too far back in the stance, it's going to be very difficult for you to fade the ball. So keep the ball a little bit forward in the stance. I think the second thing that I always like to say in hitting a drip fade is is you probably need to borrow a little bit to the left when it comes to alignment. Right. Maybe just kind of squeeze it ball kind of starts right there, maybe left center and then it just kind of bleeds back to the right. When you hit a draw, oftentimes you can go ahead and aim straight. And then when you trap it and with the attack angle, the ball starts a little right. It's a little bit of a push and then it dies to the left. So you can, you can usually with an iron kind of aim pretty straight and hit a little push draw. But when you hit an iron and you're trying to hit a drip fade, oftentimes I will get them to open up slightly left. Okay, I guess it depends how much you're going to, say, uh, get on top of it and can get that path working to the left. Now, Victor Hovland can really get on top of it, but he's someone that aims pretty straight or maybe even a little right. Now, Morikawa, to me, is not going to get out on top of it as much as Hovland, so you're going to see him probably just borrow a little bit in alignment slightly to the left. Now, what I mean by getting out on top of it is this move right here. Okay, I'm going to play this a little bit slower here, and I'm going to bring it about halfway down. Okay, So from the top of the swing, you're seeing him get his hand path to get back out in front of his chest. Morikawa is someone from the top of the swing that is not pulling his hands down. He is not trying to keep his shoulders closed, right? I think in, in many ways, like 20 years ago, when I got into teaching, that was very much the conversation. It was like from the top, you would let your hips bump left and your shoulders would stay closed and your hand path would just go straight down. Morikawa's not doing that. Okay, from the top of the swing, his weight, yes, is going left, but he's not taking on early side bend to the right. He's not letting his hips really drive lateral and then leave the spine in excessive right bend in transition. Instead, he's letting his weight go left, and he's starting to kind of sit and maybe turn sooner. And that gets the hand path to arc back out in front, very much like Victor Hovland. Now, when he does that, the shaft is still pitched back. The shaft is still pitched back, and what you'll see oftentimes, really good faders of the ball, you'll see the shaft just above the uh, the right form. You know, oftentimes I always talk about the shaft kind of laying down on the right form, and faders of the ball, they get it just above the right form. Let me see if I can stop it right in that position. You'll see a little space between the shaft and the right forearm about halfway down. Right there. Perfect. See the shaft right there? See that space between the shaft and the in the in the right forearm, that little window? So he's getting out in front, there he's getting the hand path back out in front, the shaft still pitched back but just above that right forearm. Now, from there, That lead wrist is flexed. That right wrist is extended. I mean, he is in such a great position to just keep turning and get this shaft to exit under the left shoulder. Now watch this. Love this exit plane. You will see the shaft right there well under that left shoulder with an iron. Okay, the club face kind of looking back towards the camera a little bit. It's just beautiful. I mean, it's just absolutely beautiful. So those are some of the things that you see – With people that fade it. Now, the other thing that you're probably thinking about with Morikawa is his lead wrist is, oh, dare I say, it's flexed. The lead wrist, you can see at the top, flat, slightly arched, little flexion in there, not to the degree of Victor, not to the degree of DJ, but it's certainly not extended. Clubface, you can see, matched up pretty square to the lead form, and that's because Morikawa has a weak left-hand grip. So he's got a weak left-hand grip, takes it up to the top, flexes that lead wrist, clubface nice and matched up. And then from there, he can really go. The other thing I want to note, the other thing I want to note here, guys that fade the ball, okay, is that they still have adequate lead arm depth. Can you see his lead arm there covering his right shoulder? His left arm is around him, okay? He is not fading the ball as a function of taking the club more out and the left arm more up. I see that a lot. I hear that a lot with amateurs. Okay, I'm going to fade it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to go ahead and take it way more outside, my lead arm very upright, and then across. You still got to have some lead arm depth, okay? That lead arm depth around him now gives him depth where he can then arc the hand path back out in front of him. Hopefully that makes sense because that is very much a part of my program, Operation Drip Fade. I take a lot of time for people to understand how to get things organized to the top. So from there, you can then really cover it and arc it back out in front and get on top of it and rotate and get the shaft to turn the corner and release back around under the lead shoulder. I don't want to get in the weeds of this, but these are some of the things that I see with guys that hit that power fade. It's a power fade. It's not a wipe. He's not holding on to the face through impact. He's turning, he's de-lofting the face. The face is looking slightly left. That's where the ball starts. And then the path is left of that. And these are, and these are some of the things that the components that go into this. So again, great depth to the top, weak left hand grip, Um, the, with the lead wrist flex, I love that. If he had a little stronger grip, the face would just be a little bit more closed, which means he's probably got to use the ground with shaft lean and rotation to help stabilize that face a little bit more. But look, you can kind of tune those things in grip wrist, uh, combination, wrist angle combination, get the face in a good position, get enough lead arm depth, where then you can start to open up and get back out on top of it, cover it better. Get the shaft into exit under the lead shoulder with release. The lead wrist is going into extension. Power fade. Operation drip fade from a man, Colin Morikawa. Now, back to this guy. Who is this guy? A lot of you said Justin Rose. I can see a lot of Justin Rose in this. A lot. I can see it at the top. I mean, I can see Justin Rose right there. I can see it in the finish. I can see Justin Rose right there. It's not Justin Rose. <laughs> it's not Justin Rose. I had. It's funny, when I posted this, I, I thought to myself a little bit of Justin Rose, but I had no idea that probably over half the answers would be Justin Rose. It's Cam Davis. That's the winner. Cam Davis is the winner. And for those of you that picked him on Twitter and Instagram, I will be sending you instructions on how to get a free training program from TravisFultonGolf.com. In fact, I think I'm going to make it total driving. Total driving. That training program. He's hitting a three-wood here. I filmed this, by the way. And you know what I you know how much I like Cam Davis, and I've been touting him for a while. Expect big things from that man into next year. Thank you so much, everybody, honestly, for participating in that. I have got another one coming, okay, and I can't wait to share. i I, I just can't wait to share it, but um yeah, it, it's Cam Davis. We'll get you instructions on uh, on how to get your free training program let's move on shall we let's move on and let me bring in now this Colin Morikawa's putting works with Steven Sweeney Morikawa made a lot of putts this week he talked about how he discovered some things uh, over there in Japan Uh, didn't share what those things were and it's funny, every time Morikawa starts making putts, you know, we start thinking about, oh my gosh, this guy's gonna take off and he's gonna win everything. Because he's one of the elite ball strikers. He drives the ball exceptionally well. His iron game is perhaps second to none. Um his short game seems to be good enough. But his putting obviously is what holds him back. And so then he has a week like this. And you're like, he is going to win everything if he's making putts like this. But the reality is, is this is kind of Colin Morikawa. I mean, he just, you know, he, he he's not an elite putter. And he'll go consecutive weeks, months, losing strokes to the field. You know, you just look at his, like, I'm just looking at some, <laughs> I'm just looking at some tournaments right now, like back in 2021. And w- when he was just winning everything right he wins the uh, the open championship, he was fourth at the u s open second at the memorial one w g c mech i mean he was just on a roll and you look at his you look at his stroke scan approach and it is absurd absurd, positive seven and eight like every single week, positive nine absurd. And through that same stretch of, say, 10, 11, 12 tournaments, he finished in the green positive in strokes gained putting maybe three or four times. I mean, he just, you know, like he's losing two or three all the time. But then when he does have a great putting week, like at the Open Championship, he wins. And when he has a great putting week, like he did at the Century earlier this year, he Almost one, finished second. Another decent putting we get the Farmers, finished third. And then it was a run of red. Late summer, a little bit of improvement. Last time we saw Morikawa Tour Championship, lost 2.6 in putting. BMW Championship, lost 1.2 in putting. Finished sixth of the Tour Championship, losing just under three putting. Positive 6.7 in approach, positive 2.8 off the tee you can just go all the way back i mean i can remember wgc mexico i can i can remember that um vividly back in what was it uh it was 2021 right yeah 2021 the week before folks the week before morikawa lost 7.6 in putting at the genesis and then the very next week positive four wins wgc mexico (laughs) Uh, the PGA championship back in 2020. Uh, let's see. The, the, the tournament before the PGA was the WGC St. Jude. He was, he was leveled there. The week before that, he lost 8.3 in putting. I mean, it's amazing. It really is. I mean, we're talking like bad putting, a run of bad putting, and then all of a sudden, positive four or five, he wins. So when does that happen? I think he's kind of shown us who he is. He he he's moved around. He's done a lot of different things. You look at the stroke here. The first thing that comes to mind uh, is that right hand grip. You know that right hand grip and 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 how it's it, it's kind of on the side there. Um, but it, but his his hand his right hand. When I'm going to zoom in here, look at that right there. For those that are watching, um, he's got some funky looking fingers too. Like he looks like he's broken at least three or four of those. Fingers, especially this pinky. But you see the gap between, um, between the pinky and the index. He has the pinky and index finger together, and then he has the middle finger. Or no, I'm sorry. He has the, he has the, the, uh, the bottom two together, and then the middle two together, and then there's a split. So he's like this. I'm going to put that in front of the camera like that. There you go. And so there's a split there, and he then he's kind of got, the middle two on top of the grip with the thumb underneath. So it's not all the fingers together. He's actually got a split in there between those, between those four fingers. And he's got the left hand. Look at that left hand. That left hand is way underneath. Very, very weak left hand. So he's got his left hand very weak underneath, which is going to take his elbow and roll his elbow in towards his rib cage. And then with the right hand on the saddle like that or to the side, that's going to kind of make his right elbow want to maybe kick out just a little bit more than what his left is doing. So there's not a lot of symmetry there as far as what his elbows are doing and, and you know, maybe like both palms up to the sky like this. My elbows would kind of roll in towards my rib cage equally. His left hand is under, his right hand's on the side. So naturally that's going to affect your elbows. And so that's very interesting. You know, usually when you see a right hand grip like that to the side, like he's getting some kind of movement in his right hand that is disrupting the stroke. So when you put the right hand to the side like that, it's calming down that right hand and leaving the right hand out of the stroke. Maybe he was getting a little bit of a kind of a goose underneath sensation with the right hand at times. Um, very difficult to detect, probably. I, I certainly didn't. It's hard to see with the naked eye, but with the right hand to the side like that, he's keeping the right hand out of it, and he's getting a little bit more stability, perhaps, in the face. I think when you counter it with the left hand, you know that's that's very interesting. You, you may recall when he first started with Sweeney at the first part of the year, he would actually put his palms together, like he would grip it, put his palms together and then he would take his grip, and that would help him get his shoulders and his forearms aligned. So perhaps with his right hand doing that, he needed to feel a little something different with his left hand to help him kind of still feel square. You don't see a lot of that combination right there. The other thing that I think maybe is worth a note is with that right hand like that and that that right forearm more position like that, When I pot like this, I get the sensation that the putter head wants to swing a little bit more up the arc. Right? I feel like I can go a little bit more up and down the arc versus if I grip it normal and my in my right elbow kind of tucked more under like his left is, like that feels like it wants to go maybe a little lower and a little more in. Versus when I grip it like this, it always gives me the sensation that that the right shoulder. Kind of wants to go a little bit up more, okay? Which is something that maybe he's trying to do as well. And I'm just kind of speculating here based off some of the conversations I've had around this type of grip and why a player uh, would go to that. But he found something. He found something early in the week in Japan, and man, he made a lot of putts. But that's Victor Hovland, or excuse me, that's Colin Morikawa. That's what he does. And so I, I look. I, I'm not going to sit here and say why wow, he's back. He's his putting is. Is so much better, and we we should expect a, a run of three, four, five wins here from from Morikawa. I, I think this is just another case of he's he's kind of look he's found something here, and all of a sudden he probably went positive four or five here with the putter, and he wins because his ball striking is that good. And so will this last into the next time we see Morikawa? Will this last into 2024? I mean, I I think if I had to put money down, it would be that we were probably going to see what we've seen in the past, which is, you know, a run of where he's not putting great and then okay. And then all of a sudden, boom, positive five, he wins. I'd love to see Morikawa though, become a more consistent putter. And maybe he's getting to that point. We'll have to wait and see, but no surprise that this guy found something and, and, Back in the winter circle for the first time in two years. The other thing I think that's worth noting with Morikawa is this motion here. He worked with um, Parker McLaughlin at the beginning of the year. I don't think they're still working together, but I think it was more of kind of a council of some shots, like you know, just being able to bounce ideas and validate and things like that, which you get a lot. Like players will. You know, pick someone that they like in that particular part of the game and say, Hey, I just want to be able to talk about the shots that I hit and get your opinion. You know, it's not a, it's not a, a complete rework of everything. And, and, and Morikawa, I think, um, it, his mind is pretty much like that. However, and let's go back to putting just for a second. However, and I wanted to mention this and I failed to Morikawa did rebuild his stroke from the standpoint of how far back and through he takes it. So real quick here, before we go to the short game, Orochawa was always someone who took it back shorter than he brought it through. It was more of a one to two ratio. You know, so let's say he takes it back six inches. He would swing it through 12 or 13. When he went to Steven Sweeney, I saw it reverse. Now I don't think it's completely two to one, meaning say he takes it back 12 inches and through six, I think it was, there was some video out early, like January, February, where you could see the backstroke was twice as long as the through stroke. Like that's a complete remake. You go from one to two to two to one. That's, <laughs> that's, that's different. I, I watch them now. I think it's, I think it's, I don't know. It, it feels like it's closer to one to one now. You know, maybe he's kind of found the middle ground. It'd be interesting. That'd be interesting to ask Steve and ask Colin, like, where is he? Or is he even thinking about it? You know, but he did, for the record, go from a a putting stroke that was short back, long through to long back, short through. Not going to get in the weeds of that, but he did do that. Now, to me, it looks like the biggest difference here is what he's doing with his grip. Uh, In the short game, you'll see Morikawa in this particular shot definitely subscribing to the shallow aspect of the shot and that's relevant because so much of the discussion in the industry right now um as speared from joe uh, from joe mayo trackman maestro who i think is just a brilliant mind someone who's always been very good to me in uh in his knowledge and his education and being able to text him and you know he's just a he's a he's a he's a real studious mind he wants to know the science he wants to know the facts which is fantastic and and so much of the of the technique that he steered victor hovland to which is right here and for those watching you'll really you'll really enjoy this you see victor hovland up top there and then you see victor hovland on the bottom and and the biggest difference you see i mean the address is pretty similar but the biggest difference is when he goes up to the top you can see his head went towards the target on the bottom one. And that's where Joe Mayo took him is as he went up to the top, he allowed his head to go towards the target, move some weight towards the left where you see up top, his head was pretty centered. Okay. Now coming down, you can see he's much more out in front of it on the bottom, which is moving the low point ahead. There's two things that are happening there. He's moving the low point further past the ball and he is steepening the attack angle. Okay. That attack angle is coming down. I don't know. Let's put a number on it 10, 11, uh, maybe versus the one up top there. Call it five, six, seven, somewhere in there. Right. So the one up top, attack angle shallower, um, low point still a little is still ahead of it, just not as far ahead as the one on the bottom and just not as steep. Okay. And so look, that that's different. You know, when you move the low point way ahead and you steepen the attack angle, well, now that leading edge is certainly going to be more involved, right? You're going to get the leading edge on the ground. And I, I tell you, in full credit to Joe and Victor, at least in my eyes, this change, what you see right here, has turned the light on. I mean, Victor Hovland's short game is much improved. And so you look at this technique. And you see Victor Hov or you see Colin Morikawa's head very centered, right? I mean, it's not it's not moving forward like we like we were seeing uh, with Victor Hovd and the changes that he made with Joe Mayo. Similar backswing. You see these guys, these greenside shots. You don't see them put in a bunch of excessive radial into it, like they're not cocking that wrist an excessive amount. I think that's a very important piece here. And You can see it right there, right? Look at the left arm. It's at nine o'clock. It's coming across the chest, parallel to the ground, and the shaft is not at a right angle. mean, the shaft is pointing, you know, towards ten. Okay, so they're 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 trying to keep out excessive radial. You can put radial into it, say in a bunker, or if you're sit if you're out of the rough. Like there's times to do that. But but I think the shot that we're debating here off a pretty good lie, green side ish. Um. Like that's kind of what you're going to see right there. Now from there, his head pretty centered. He definitely didn't go left, and so the low point just passed the ball. And you're going to see a little bit of shaft lead and impact. I don't think really the the, the question here in, in the difference in the style is is shafting. Like if you're going to launch the ball low, like you've got to have a little bit of shafting, right? And there's got to be some shafting in there. Okay now if you want to launch the ball a little bit higher then you can take some shaft lean out and if you want to really launch it high well then you can start taking the shaft lean the other way. And so shaft lean to hit a lower shot there's got to be some forward shaft lean in there. Okay now with that shaft lean the different discussion is is how steep versus shallow are you going to be into it and how far did you move the low point? Up ahead. Now, Morikawa, at least in this particular shot, working with Parker McLaughlin, um, you know, this, these are pretty, these are pretty shallow strikes, a little bit of shaft, lean, low point, just past the ball. And he's letting that club head kind of pass the lead wrist. This is probably a little more of a medium trajectory shot, um, than what you're going to see. Let's say with this particular shot right here, Victor Hoblin, I got this from Joe Mayo. You can really see the difference in the movement. It's fascinating. I, I love, looking at just different styles. I mean, that's what we do here on the podcast is we kind of bring some of these discussions to light. So you can see as he goes back, this is a much lower shot. Um But at a you can see the shaft just, you know, a little forward. Um, but watch when he goes back, watch the head. Going forward, okay? It's going forward. Weight's going forward. He is moving. Again, not a lot of radio on the lead wrist. Now from there, he he's going to stay over there. That attack angle is going to be steeper. That low point is moved forward. And so he's got to get that club head out of the ground, which these guys are good at, okay? That leading edge is exposed. And look, you can, you can hit these shots, even with the steeper attack angle, even um, with the low point way forward. Like, you can get the club head out of the ground. But you've got to be pretty nifty, okay? You've got to be pretty nifty in the lead wrist, maybe in the lead elbow or the elevation of the body kind of working back up out of the shot. There's got to be something that's going to get the club head out of the ground in order for that leading edge, not to get stuck, which it's going to get stuck more in the ground with this particular shot. That's, that's just what's going to happen. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying it's going to. Okay. Now tour players, are very, very good at that. In fact, another guy that's very, very good at is Jordan Speeth. And here's um, uh, just a good picture of Jordan Speeth hitting this shot. I mean, Jordan Speeth is a absolute short game wizard. I don't think anybody uses the leading edge better than Jordan Speeth. Maybe Scotty Scheffler. I'm going to take that back. Scotty Scheffler does. And Victor Hovland's on his way. And so you look at the bottom there. Okay. And as he goes back, his head's going forward. Speeth put a little bit more radial into it, just a little bit. I mean, why not? It's Jordan Speith. I mean, he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna max it out. Uh but you can see impact. Look at look at the chest and the head way back out in top. I mean, Speeth's probably got even a little more shaft lean at the bottom. And then they turn and they get the club head out of the ground. You know, that's the thing. They can get the club head at, back out of the ground. Spieth could Speeth and Victor could probably sit there on that lie and 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 work that steeper attacking, work that leading edge, work that that low point wave out in front and get the club head out of the ground over and, over and over and over and over and over and over again to the point that they could probably hit 30 balls and you would barely know they were there. That's how good they are through the zone. Now the question you have to ask yourself, okay, is a PGA tour player, this method that you you would see. Uh, employed certainly with a number of players, not all of them, but, but much more so in the professional ranks than you would probably see in the amateur ranks. Um, I think l- you look at the advantage of the shot, you could say that the low point, yes, is being moved for forward. So the point of contact and getting that ball contact first perhaps could be, um, elevated, right? I think the, 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 and, and certainly with the shaft lean, you can get the ball to be launching out lower. You get enough friction where you can really spin it. Um, coming off the face, I mean, you can really clip it and getting that club head out of the ground. So that low launch, lots of spin. This is probably where you're going to move someone to. Uh, the downside is you got to manage the leading edge. Right. You've got to manage the leading edge. And oftentimes when you when you have players who are a little bit more uneducated as far as um, the the history of hitting short game shots and their hands being educated and learning how to get the club head out of the ground, et cetera, et cetera, um, that leading edge be- becomes very problematic. I mean, I go back to my um, to my high school days and that leading edge would just chew me up. I mean, I, I would hit one every 10 fat. And then that would just kind of linger in my mind and then I would start backing up. So there's there's things that can start happening around this method that um, can, you know, look, can kind of slow things down a little bit, right, in the way of, of short game development. But I would say from a higher skilled player, like to me, this is this is a method that, yeah, I would show someone um, if the benefits were as such and needed as someone like Victor Hovland that had a lot of good things, but probably was a little too shallow, needed to steepen things just a little bit, move the low point out ahead. And all of a sudden now the ball face interaction is more of what he's looking for. And now he's got full control of it. And so, yeah, do you want to manage that leading edge or not? And if the answer is yes, and you want to go down this path, this is certainly um, a method that you could employ. Now, you can go to this. Now we come over to, let's say, Max Homa, right here. And you're going to see more of the wider approach. Now, this shot, I don't think is going to... You're not going to probably launch it quite as low, and you're probably not going to spin it quite as much. Although you can, you know, look, you can, you can hit a lot of really good spinners this way as well. But what you're going to see is... You know, the head right there, pretty darn centered, right? He's not moving much. Again, very wide, not a lot of radial. Okay. Left arm, almost nine o'clock. I mean, that club is barely above nine o'clock. From there, he comes down. He's not, he's not as far out in front of it. The low point just slightly past the ball. And so he's going to, he's going to be able to use the bounce a little bit more. Right. He's going to be able to use the bounce. I think the benefit of the bounce is you don't have to be quite as precise with the point of contact. Um, I, I think there's times where these guys that employ this method, they even hit behind it slightly. I have a video of Ben Griffin. Um, he actually hit just a fraction behind it and hit a, you know, adequate medium trajectory shot with Decent spin. And so, there you go. There's that method. Now, check this out. I'll bring in Ben Griffin with Max Holman. You can see, you know, kind of the difference here. Griffin's kind of got an interesting move. You look at his left. He kind of turns his head. He doesn't really, he doesn't really, like, move everything left. He actually takes it back, and he kind of turns his head to the left. But then if you see at impact, you can see these guys you know, maybe not quite as much shaft lean, but it's still there. Like you, you got to have a little shaft lean if you're going to, you're going to launch it lower. Okay. And so you can see they're just not, they're not out in front of it as much. And that club head's going to get out of the ground, probably a little bit easier. It's exposing the bounce. It's not as steep, all of those things. So it's two different methods. You know, we could, probably talk forever on each one i could show you examples of each one i get the question a lot well which one are you showing an amateur golfer? and it's probably this one for an amateur golfer mid-handicap and teaching a greenside pitch this is probably where i'm gonna go i'm probably gonna kind of fall somewhere in between you know i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna have the shaft just a little forward ball in the middle weight slightly left and then we're going to take it back to this position here where the left arm's 9 o'clock, not a bunch of radial, so kind of this wider feeling going back, the weight kind of staying a little left. Um, And then from there, the club's falling. We're, we're, we're right there on top of it. We're going to let the club head pass a little bit post-impact and turn and let things kind of rehinge and accumulate back over here to the other side. And so I'm probably, I don't know, I'm probably in the – six, seven, eight, probably around eight degrees down in the middle somewhere. Um, And then if you get that higher skilled player or someone who, you know, needs to maybe move the low point up a little bit more. Let's try a little steeper attack angle. Could perhaps use a little bit more leading edge. Then I'm going to move them, yeah, towards Hovland. But I don't think I'm showing everybody. um I don't think I'm showing everybody that method um, when it comes to, Victor Hovland or Jordan Spieth. All right, so that is Max Homa and Ben Griffin, and I think that's pretty much all we have here for today. So those who participated in this, Cam Davis, you are the winner. You are the winner if you if you picked Cam Davis on Twitter and Instagram. All right, good good discussion today. Back tomorrow. We've got the Cootie twins, Parker Cootie and Pearson Cootie. They'll be joining me here on the podcast. Both of the twins got their PGA Tour card, uh, and they're going to join me uh, together. That'll be fun, interviewing those two together. Good guys. Can't wait to watch them on the PGA Tour. All right, guys, thanks for joining me. We'll be back tomorrow on the pod. See ya.